Welcome to another episode of Clutch Conversations. It's your boy, Mike. We are back at you one more again, live on a Thursday night, man. I hope everybody's feeling all right. It's going down tonight. We got the homie Antoine in the building from Hot Desert Python. So you know how we do. But first and foremost, man, shout out to my lovely wife, Takara, the world famous TJ, the DJ, holding us down on the ones and twos. Y'all make sure y'all show us some love in the comments and don't stop there. Do us a solid and show the channel some love as well. Hit that like button. If you haven't already subscribed, hit that subscribe button and make sure you hook smash that notification bell. Shout out to the audio only gang. Don't forget audio recordings of Clutch Conversations are available on all major podcasting platforms. That's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. So make sure when you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform, Please be sure to follow, rate, and review. It really helps us out. We really appreciate the feedback, and we definitely appreciate the support. And while you're in the spirit of support, make sure you're supporting U.S. Art and U.S. Art Florida. The links for both organizations are in the description of this video. If you're not a member, go grab your membership. If you're able to donate, please donate what you can and make sure you spread the word about both these organizations that help protect our rights as reptile keepers. So, Tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend, keep it going, spread the word. Speaking of the word, man, word to my sponsors, man. We really appreciate y'all showing us love, holding us down, having faith to us, having faith in us, my bad. We're going to kick this sponsor video and we'll be right back. Let's pay some bills. Big dreams start in small towns. Small Town Exotics is a family-ran business that specializes in high-quality ball python morphs, western hog noses, and select leopard geckos. They are proud members of USARC, USARC Florida, and the Orient Society. Stay connected with Small Town Exotics on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Witness their journey as they grow their business and showcase their animals to the world. Thank you, Small Town Exotics, for sponsoring the show. Shout out to the sponsors. Shout out to Shane from Small Town Exotics and shout out to the homie Justin from Armless Angels. Y'all make sure y'all go give them a follow. Check out the dope stuff they're producing. And believe me, they're producing some dope stuff. So y'all be on the lookout for that. Go show them some love and tell them we sent you. Let's see who we got in the comments. What's good? The homie Wiz in the building. Yes, sir. Thursday tradition. Man, y'all make sure y'all check out the homie Wiz podcast too. It comes on every Saturday night at 
10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Sophisticated Ignorance. It's a blast. So y'all make sure y'all go check that out. Check out the big homie Wiz in the building. 352 in the building. What's good, Brian? Rock, what's good? Third place, not too shabby. Appreciate you coming out. Scales, fins, and feathers, what's good? Thanks for coming out. The podcast whore himself, what's good, Will? Thanks for coming out. The homie Kaju Dylan, what's good? Thanks for coming out. Appreciate the support, homie. The homie Bosa, what's good? Thanks for coming out, brother. Let's see who else we got. David, what's good? Thank you for coming out. Eric's Moore Factory, what's good, brother? Thanks for coming out. The homie Levi in the building, what's good, brother? Thanks for coming out. Y'all make sure y'all go check out the Sexing and Flexing podcast as well. Blakers Pythons, what's good? What's good? Thanks for coming out, fam. Blackjack Reptiles in the building, what's good? Thanks for coming out. If it's your first time, make sure you hit that subscribe button and definitely hook smash that notification bell. Casey, what's good? Goss Reptile Creations in the building. And Ring, what's up? What's up? Mosaic Morphs in the building. Thank you for coming out. The homie Ray, what's good? Thanks for coming out. Thanks for coming out. Troy, what's good? Clutch Conversations alum. If you didn't see last week's episode, do yourself a solid and go check the homie Troy out. Best dressed balls in the building. What's good? Done in the building. Let's see who else we got. The homie Maddie Yates. What's good? What's good, homie? Kara Shea. What's good? What's good? The homie Ray in the building. Y'all make sure y'all check him out tomorrow. I think it's 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's going to be on Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. My favorite reptile podcast. Y'all make sure y'all go check out the homie Ray. And we're going to stop it right there. We'll be back in just a second. Going to kick this intro. Don't you listen to me, I got that flavor I know you're dying to feed I ain't no dancer Just got some hip in my feet Now throw your hands up Ooh, you bring the lighter I got the fuse You make a fire I'll add the fuel Follow my lead Just watch the shoes Episode 66, High Desert Pythons. What's good? What's good? What's good, homie? <laughs> yo, yo, yo. What up? What up? What up? What's up, what up, what up? <laughs> what's up with the military gear, bro? How's everybody doing in the chat? First and foremost, man, peace to the gods and the earths and all that. You know what I mean? You said what now? Say, so what's up with all the military gear, bro? Like you ready uh, to go to you, war? Yeah. You ain't heard? Yo, we are at war, son. You know what I mean? Like, we at war with these animals. 
know what I'm saying? Like with US Ark and all that, we at war against non-reptile people, we at war against the politicians, we at war amongst ourselves, man, with all this infighting and stuff, man. So, you know what I mean? I'm giving up doing what I gotta do to fight this war. First of all, we start with supporting US Ark and US Ark Florida. So, you know what I'm saying? Wherever the world come, I'm ready. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Holding it down. We're at war. You heard it here. You heard it here. We're at war. So y'all make sure y'all ready to fight out there, man. Real quick, uh, give everybody the 30,000 foot on your background and how you got into the game. Hi, Desert Pythons, man. Uh, been breeding keeping reptiles since the 80s. You know what I mean? My whole life. Been doing uh, ball pythons professionally for over 10 years now. Um, yeah, just having a good time with it, man. Just trying to produce some dope stuff and uh, make some new new animals out there and, you know, spread my fun of reptiles with the world. Yes, sir. That's what's up. That's what's up. Hey, but before you got into the reptiles, man, I know we was talking one time and you said you've been doing basically, you've been basically doing martial arts since you came out the womb. Tell us a little bit about that. So uh, my entire family was big into martial arts and like, I don't have any memory where I wasn't trained in martial arts. So, um, so in the eighties, uh, a man named June Reed from Korea, he came into um, so he came to the United States and bought Taekwondo from Korea into the U.S. Uh, he's like known as the godfather of uh, modern Taekwondo. And a lot of my cousins and my mom, my uncles and stuff like that all trained with him too. So a lot of my family ended up being like uh, black belts in Taekwondo. Uh, and then I kind of came along too, you know, training with them. And what's crazy is my cousin Will, he actually got the original part of Leroy from The Last Dragon. But they couldn't get a hold oh, of wow. him because because of like phone issues and stuff like that. So he actually auditioned back then in 84, 85, got the part. And uh, yeah, so he never, never ever, ever get in touch with him. And so the rest is history after that. So he, he wanted to do other stuff, but not quite, not quite the last dragon like he should have been, you know? <laughs> wow, wow. Yeah, I didn't know that, bro. That's what's up, that's what's yeah. up. Yeah, some rich yeah, so, martial art history. So, yeah, so then, so I started with Taekwondo, um, started doing like karate and Muay Thai in high school. And then uh, when I got into the military, I took up wrestling and jujitsu, and uh, just doing jujitsu on and off for a long time before I moved to California. Started taking seriously, seriously. I moved here like 13 years ago. Got my black belt in jujitsu a year ago. So you know I'm a triple black belt now. I'm a black belt in taekwondo and karate and Brazilian jujitsu. Um, you know, so just a big fan of combat sports, man. And aside from doing a reptile thing, I'm a fight promoter for five five nine fights since I am just up here. And I'm the matchmaker for Sean Merriman. I don't know if you remember him from the San Diego Chargers. He has his okay. own promotion out here. I'm the matchmaker for him. And the UFC Hall of Famer, Uriah Faber, has his own promotion out here, too. I matchmake for him as well. So oh, I just nice. combat manager in my blood, man. <laughs> nice, nice. So out of the martial arts you practice, which one is your favorite? Uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu by far. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, to me, I mean, it doesn't have the striking aspect. But to me, if I had to pick between all of them together, that's probably, you know, you get the most advantage if you can take a fight to the ground because that's where most fights end up at. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Like, I heard, like, a, a stat, mm -hmm. and I don't know how accurate the stat is, but it makes sense, like, but, like, pretty much all fights hit the ground at some point, and so it's beneficial to know mm -hmm. when you hit the ground. Yeah, but, I mean, it doesn't say you can't, you should be well-rounded, though, because I know so many high-level jiu-jitsu guys that can't fight worth a damn, so you also, you know, to get your boxing in, get your Muay Thai in, you gotta <laughs> be well-rounded, though, too, you know, though, so don't get that twisted, but but jujitsu jujitsu is where it's at so nice nice and so how long did you say you, you've been doing uh jujitsu well i've been doing it constantly constantly like without interruptions or break for the past like 10 11 years or so so and i was finally able to get my black belt up all this time so uh that was that was pretty cool 
So that kind of opens me up to a whole new world. And when I decide to move and open up a gym somewhere, it's just a lot easier to kind of move around in that world when you're a legit black belt. It's like the equivalent of having a master's degree, you know? Gotcha. Gotcha. So what were some of like the biggest challenges um, in the process of getting your black belt? Um, it's just that uh, just traveling to like a good gym, you know, because um, I'm in the middle of nowhere in Ridgecrest, California, and I was driving to Bakersfield, which is 100 miles from here twice a week. So Mondays and Wednesdays, back and forth twice a week for a few years. And then uh, my affiliation with those guys kind of went away. And then uh, my other gym ended up being in San Diego. And San Diego is three and a half hours from me. So just trying to just just to travel and then trying to make time between like my work life and personal life and training. Um, it was just a big obstacle. But um, my thing is, though, man, you know, like my man Shane from Small Town Exotics always say, man, you know, what's he say? Uh, losers make excuses and champions find a way or some, something along the lines. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, that's a, yeah. That's a, that's it. That's just how you do it, man. So, um, you know, so after a lot of blood, sweat and tears and beat my body up, you know, I finally got rank of black belt in jiu-jitsu and you know what I mean? So we got it done. Gotcha. Gotcha. How would you say like doing martial arts throughout the years? How do you, how would you say that influence other areas of your life and work? Uh, it keeps, it keeps me, keeps me disciplined. Uh, as far as like, actually just being an overall good human being, you know? So I think just constantly get my butt kicked, throughout my life. And I was one of those kids, I was bullied as a kid too, you know what I mean? That's that's kind of what made me want to pursue martial arts a lot because I was grew up around people that were older than me. So if you got, if all your friends are three, four, five, six years older than you, you're going to be the small person, you know? So I was always a little kid. So I, need to, I had to figure out some kind of advantage to have over them because nobody else trained. So I had to do a thing to kind of gain that tactical advantage. So I did that, man. And uh, yeah, so it's just, that's what benefited me. So and any other time in life when I have, you know, any kind of obstacles or any kind of adversity and stuff like that, too, I just think about, okay, is this situation worse than the physical pain I've endured over the years? And the answer is nine out of 10 times is always no. So it's always just something to push through, you know, so. And it kind of helped me a lot through my military career, too. Like being a martial artist, Marine Corps boot camp was, was it wasn't easy, but it was easier, you know. And then gotcha. just as a, and there's a contractor outside of the military and stuff too, you know, being in the theater in Iraq and Afghanistan helped out a lot too over there, just with the whole mental toughness of everything. So, gotcha. That's um interesting. You bring up uh, the military. So you were you were a Marine, right? Yep. So yep. I was in the United States Marine Corps from 2000 to 2005, and then I did like almost uh, seven months at Blackwater when I got out. Gotcha. I went over to okay. And got okay. Into, um, and now I've been doing, and then, but after that, I just been doing back into military aviation the whole time too. I'm an electrician on the Harrier. So that's my, uh, the aircraft I've been on yet. That jet that hovers, I've seen it before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's my uh, aircraft too. So I'm an avionics electrician on that. I do that oh, now nice. out here as my, as my day job. I work for Acom, Boeing, Lockheed Martin, Dyncorp. You know, now I'm ready to work for um, L3 now, Vertex. So yeah, just been a contractor, man, for, the bigger part of my life. <laughs> yeah. So what led you yeah. to join um, the Marines? Um, I'll be honest with you. I always wanted to be in the military, but I wanted to one up my dad because my dad was a Marine. And, you know, he did three years. In, he did three years in infantry and stuff like that. So I think the farthest he got was like corporal. So I just wanted to do it longer than him and, and wait till I got like a higher rank and stuff too. So I did five years and made it to sergeant. I actually got promoted to sergeant my last month in the military. <laughs> <laughs> nice nice so uh lessons learned in the military did you learn any lessons that you kind of like apply to your everyday life now uh just honestly man um 
just discipline for the most part. Like I said, just the same thing as martial arts too. Um, the main thing is uh, discipline. And but as far as the Marine Corps specifically, though, um, I'm a big fan of camaraderie. You know, like I've never been a loner in my life. Like I think real power is people. You know what I mean? So I think that um, you can always do better. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, can you hear me? You um, good? Yep. So good. It, just, it went. It went silent for a second. So to me, I always, I always felt that real power is 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 in the people you're around and the people you surround yourself with. So no matter what hobby, industry, or business I've dealt with, I always made sure I had a solid network of people because your network is your network, man. So oh, 100%. you know what I mean. So like, like I always say, man, like you're the average of your five friends, man. Like if if it's five of y'all, if it's five of y'all, if four if four of the people in the group of hoes, guess what? Five of you hoes. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like you know. Like four doctors don't all hang out in their friend group with some street dude. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, so I mean, and, and that's not to say you can't move in and out of different like you know groups and cliques and things like that too. But for the most part, if it's a big part of your life, you're gonna hang out with like-minded people and stuff too. You know, too. So even myself, like most of my friend group now, usually I'm like in most of my friend group, I'm the brokest person in the group. I do extremely well in life. You know what I mean? But I'm always like looking you know, to figure out how they got to that position and always asking questions, keeping my head down, being quiet, just observing, you know what I mean? Never asking for handouts, just kind of figuring out how they got there, figuring out how they got that grind and then kind of emulating the same thing or even, you know, in most cases trying to surpass them. John Bailey, what up? Oh, John, what's up, bro? What's up? What's up, Troy? <laughs> Troy said, uh, you the black Steven Seagal. <laughs> <laughs> Troy, man, I'm let I'm let my eye with God know something. You know, if you put without sounding racist, right before you practice it for something, <laughs> it's just like when somebody go, no disrespect, but <laughs> goddamn Iowa, goddamn Iowa, Troy, that's my guy, man. Love, love you, Troy. That's yeah, Troy, cool as fuck, man. I had so much fun on the episode with him last yeah. week, man. Solid that's, dude, that, for real. That's my that's my big brother right there, man. I appreciate him. What up, what up, what up? <laughs> so how did you get into the fight promoting piece of it? Honestly, it's something I fell into because I always just tell myself, like, you know, just uh, running my gym and bringing fighters to the fights. I always just tell myself, um, man, I, I would hate to be a matchmaker here. Or I hate to be a fight promoter. And it's kind of something I just kind of fell into because I was always bringing people to the same organization. And in 2018, the um the person running the fight promotion was like, hey man, uh, you ever thought about matchmaking? He's like, you being long enough, you wrap people's hands all the time. You're always dealing with fighters and coaches, and like, I don't know anybody that doesn't like you. You something you want to try your hand at? So I was like, you know what? Let's do it for a year and see how I like it. You know, so I tried it, and now with five years in, September 2018 is when I started matchmaking, and now you know just putting fights together is, is my thing now, man. So, so walk us through the process of like organizing a fight from like start to finish. So it, it all depends on whether I'm doing um, professional or amateur. So in professional, if you have like if you have like a television deal or like some of my fights are on UFC Fight Pass, I don't have to worry about as much as people who sell tickets because as long as they're excited fighters and people already have Fight Pass Fight Pass uh, subscriptions, that's where the majority of money will come in from from like the UFC or different streaming broadcasts or the Zone and things like that. But with amateur promotions, as amateur, that just means you don't get paid to fight. That's what amateur means. So the only thing you get compensated with is like a hotel, like gas money, and maybe like per diem, like as far as like like a food card or like, a, you know what I mean, things like that. So the way an amateur fight promotion makes their money by selling tickets. So 
Uh, first, I'll look at my A side, which I mean like the people I want to fire fights around, which would be my good fighters slash people who bring who put butts in the seats. And then I'll put the components around them, you know. So um so so when I do that, I look at first of all their record. They have to be within a couple of fights of each other because the athletic commission won't approve it. So I can't have a five and zero guy at one thirty five fight an zero and three guy that got knocked out three times, you know. Because one, it looks stupid. Because like I don't hate, I hate mismatches. I want to see fair fights on both sides. Gotcha. So I try to do similar. So I try to do similar styles and similar records that way, and just look looking at. First of all, it won't be a one sided fight, and it be a competitive fight on both sides. So um, yeah, so that's it. So ticket sales, uh, records, and then just having a competitive, fun fight. You know what I mean? So yeah, there, there's always some fights in the card where the guy's like, oh man, he should have never been in there. But normally it's like a debut guy versus a guy with one fight, and you never know how the debut guy goes. So sometimes they do well. Sometimes I see him look at the coach outside of that cage with the big guys, and I go, oh, yeah, he's never fighting again. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I, dude, I'm like 99% accurate with that, man. I see it, it'd be a guy's first fight, man. He'll get his butt whooped, and I'm like, huh, grand opening, grand closing, you know? <laughs> damn, damn. So, what's the most challenging part of like fight promotion? Last minute fallouts. Um, like I've had, I've had guys follow fights within 30 minutes of them saying yes to a fight, and as far as I've had guys show up to the weigh-ins, weigh in, leave for the weigh-ins, never come back to the fight. Over oh, it, I've had a, I've I've had a person walk up to the cage to get checked to walk in the cage and they fainted. <laughs> Just so, straight up nervous. Yeah, yep, and fights and, and then and, and nothing happens too, man. And and but but also happens in the professional ranks too. I've had my own uh, personal fighters. It was his professional debut. We walked to the cage and as we're walking out, the promoter comes back and grabs us because his opponent fainted in the back. Oh wow! Just straight off of nerves. Yep, straight off of nerves, man. He Damn. he didn't feel too well, and he like, and the people in the back were like, "Yeah, I saw him break his own fall when he fainted." So he never even fainted. He just pretended like he did. <laughs> <laughs> he drove he drove he drove six hours just to not fight. But the cool thing about that, though, at the professional level, we got paid our um show money, our win bonus, and it covered our medicals for us too. So it, it so it really did work out. And eventually, like I think his second or third fight after that. He fought on Combate Americas, and right, even right now online, he lost a decision. But that fight has half a million views now. So, oh, nice, you know? nice, yeah. And that's that's way more views than anything I've done in the reptile world. <laughs> half a million views on YouTube is crazy, right? Yeah, that's wild, bro. So, do yeah, people so. back out the fights a lot, or is it just like every now and then? Oh, no, it's a lot. It's every excuse under the book. Um, my last card was maybe three weeks ago. One guy said he woke up and he's a conscientious objector. He said Jesus told him that um, violence wasn't the way, so he didn't want to fight, which is not a, when you sign his contract, unless it's a medical doctor's note, you can't pull out of your fight or you get suspended. I've had that. I've had guys take pictures of them with hospital bands that said 2011 during fucking 2000, like currently. You know, <laughs> I've seen that. A guy, I got a tattoo yesterday and they said I can't fight because the tattoo get ruined and I paid too much money for this tattoo, so I'm not fighting. Had that. I've had a guy show up. That didn't tell me that he was six foot four. He too tall. I ain't fighting. Y'all trying to fucking con me. Have that. <laughs> Man, I, the, dude, the, the, I've had a dude be act like he was in a hospital, take his uh, white apple AirPods and pop them his apple drawers in his nose with a string. It's like he. I've had, dude, I mean, this is the dude, the list goes on, man. I've had people purposely, I've had people purposely not want to fight at the weigh-ins because they saw their opponent for the first time, but then got into a fight with someone else while the commission was there 
because they knew they would get pulled out of their fight. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, I realized how that went on. Yeah, dude, I would say of all the people who sign up and fight and get their fight license, I would say 15% of them never, ever fight. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is. That's yep. a lot. That's a lot. It's crazy, man. So. so aside from, like, the fight actually happened, like, what makes a successful fight um, in, um, from your perspective, like, besides just, like, turnout and revenue, like, what makes a successful fight? Whenever the crowd cheers for the person that they were initially rooting against. I love that. Like I've seen, I've seen um, like one guy on one side of the car, like let's say the red corner, he probably sold 10 tables and the table holds eight people. And then he sold maybe 50 regular general mission tickets. And the one other guy probably only sold 10 tickets. And so when he walked out, he got booed and people dropped out to yelling, hey, get them in the corner, the nephew, blah, blah, you know, and stuff like that. And then when the fight's over, the other guys, like, you know, opponent uh, crowd is, like, cheering for him and stuff, too, man. So that, that that's what I enjoy. Whenever you can sway the crowd a different way because they just enjoyed the fight and they forgot that they were there for their cousin and nephew or friend and they just enjoyed <laughs> the overall fight, that's how I, that's how I enjoy um, – that's how I think it's a successful fight. That's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah, that I was just about to say the same thing Troy said. Uh, that reminded me of, like, Rocky. Rocky Four. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Hey, go do my rocket, man. Yeah, well, yeah. When the when the when the Russian when the Russian when the Russians and shit for for Rocky, yeah, 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 we can do it. We did it. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, man, I know a lot of people want to hear about ball pythons about reptiles. So let's uh switch over to that. So. I do want to talk about like the current market. So what's your perspective on the current state of the ball python market right now? Um, it's a big course correction, you know. Um, this isn't so since I've been breeding to keeping ball pythons and selling them. Well, during like the big like 2008 crash, I really wasn't selling or producing anything nowhere near this level or spending the kind of money into it. But I also saw the way prices went up and down and how prices plummeted for reptiles even back then, you know? So um, I know like to me during the pandemic, I knew that that was like um, almost like a false prophet. There was so many people that came in, I call them uh, COVID babies who came in and got these animals and spent so much money. You know what I mean? Like dude, cars on blocks outside, but they just bought them a stranger clown, you know? So, <laughs> you know, so I saw a lot of that coming and I was happy for it too because um, I knew that money was gonna circulate between like a lot of us, you know? So I, I, I enjoyed that comment, but a lot of the people who got out before they even produced the animal, that was surprising to me. There's so many people I talked to over the years that actually like, when I started getting on social media during the pandemic that we came up together social media wise, and I haven't heard from them, man. A lot of people just gone, you know, whether it was, you know, the pandemic kicking their ass and then they haven't fully recovered after that or they made the wrong investments or, it was people who really wasn't in it for the animals. So they was in it to flip a profit and they saw dollar signs. And if one thing I know about breeding animals is that like, if your very first instinct is to try to use these animals to make money with, you're not gonna survive, man, because there's so much stuff that can go wrong and very few things that can go right. It's way more stuff that can go wrong than go right. You know, like I used to breed dogs. I used to breed like pit bulls and American bulldogs and Rottweilers back in the day too. And, um. Sometimes we have a good year. Sometimes I remember being like 24 years old. I remember uh, one litter I had, I probably made like 10 grand off of her puppies, the first litter. So when she, I bred her again, the, the next time she went in the heat, 
I had deposits. I bought a, bike, a motorcycle with my deposits from her too. Bitch had one puppy. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, so, so now I'm looking like boo boo the fool, having to give all these people the money back and things. Which was fine because I did, I did well selling puppies and stuff too, you know? But yeah, so it just, yeah, but uh, just so back to the COVID thing though. Um, yeah, a lot of people came along, man, and they quit before they even produced an animal. That's and, wild to me. And, and that was just sad to me, man. I was just like, holy crap. Like, people say, hey, man, do the unfortunate events. Yeah, the unfortunate event is you quit. That's the unfortunate <laughs> event. You know? And, and I'm not singling nobody out in particular. There's a lot of them, you know? Um, and it was people with promise, like people who had, like, really, really good animals and stuff, too. Like, people getting out who, like, had, like, monsoon stuff. Like, you know, like, what? <laughs> Visual, like, Mojave monsoons and you get rid of your animals and shit, you know? Like, Oh man, it's just it's, it's so sad to me, man. But uh, but the good side of that, a lot of people got some really cool snakes for the low. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. So so why do you think it is like folks who got out before they even like produced any animals? Because like I feel like a lot of the challenges come, or at least in my opinion, a lot of the challenges come like with actually breeding animals, right? So you gotta you gotta get them to go. Uh, when they go, it's got to be good, viable eggs. It's got to make it through in- incubation. You're subject to like, yeah, the I call them the OGs, but the odds guys. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that stuff, yeah. if you ain't even produced nothing, like you hadn't went through a lot of those uh, challenges. So what do you think? Well, leads to other well see, even my snake, my snake room now is always adjusted. I'm always tweaking stuff to see if I can get better results, you know? So for the past, I mean, this will be my fourth season now on Ambient, you know? And there was a lot of stuff about having, um, having ambient heat that I didn't understand, you know, for a long time. I was like, um, why, why the female take so long to go? Like I would have like, uh, eggs at the almost 50 days after the pre-lay shed. I stopped having stuff. I stopped having stuff in the back, you know, um, they were laying the eggs in the front. And I didn't realize that they were moving towards the heat source too. Um, then I was looking at how much slugs I produced when I was on heat compared to not ambient. And I had a lot less at first. I thought it was kind of like just anecdotal, you know, just maybe it's a coincidence that maybe this season, out of all these uh, babies I have, maybe had three slugs, but then it kept repeating itself every year, even with some of the same animals who slugged out before. And, uh, you know, then I realized that them, sometimes when, you, when they limit it with space, sometimes they don't sit on the heat as much or sit on the heat too long. And sometimes male sperm isn't as vi- viable. So just so many, it's so much stuff you can do because you have all these other outside um, elements as far as your snake room go. You gotta go by, like, how, how's the climate where you live at? The relative humidity, the altitude, like if I buy an animal from Louisiana, which is damn near, which is below sea level, and bring an animal here, which is twenty three hundred feet, they don't do well. You know what I'm saying? They yeah. don't. Yeah. Because so of the like, like not at all. Yeah, just just from the adjustment too. Like when I moved here, well, I flew out here a couple of years before here. I was altitude sick for a couple of days. You know what I'm saying? Oh, word. So I was like, yeah, like so now whenever so that stuff I have to look ahead of too. So um, when I tell people. If I like usually when I go from a higher altitude to a lower altitude, they seem to do fine. But anytime there's a change from your side to mine, there's usually some kind of issue with the animal that they need some adjusting to. So a lot of times I won't even feed them for like a month. If they look nice and healthy, which they should be anyway, they'll just kind of turn too, you know. And then and the thing is, man, a lot of people back to the old um those pandemic people, it's just that everybody's used to that short term satisfaction, man. And that's 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 not what animals, bro. Not you at can't all. do it. Not you know, at I mean, all. You gotta have patience. Right, unless you breed them like may- may- mayflies and you know bugs <laughs> like that, but a lot of this stuff takes time. Um, I have females here, 
that didn't go for me until they turned six. Oh, wow. And which sucks because at that point, a lot of times they're genetically obsolete when it's just like a single gene, incomplete dominant heck for, for lavender or something like that. You know, that's the sad part about it. But um, sometimes you still got to see things through and there's other ways you can, especially with genetic testing now, there's other things you can add to these animals too to help improve the genetics. So, um, and like, dude, I got a, I got a head cloud female here, man. Uh, I bought her in 2017, not one clutch from me yet. Oh, for real? Wow. She 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 gets follicles that she don't ever do. But to me, in good conscience, I can't sell her off. You know what I mean? Because if somebody wants something that's gonna breed, but I'm also not gonna sell her for a hundred dollars. And then as soon as she gets somewhere else, she lay thirteen eggs. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? So so she. You pad her up this year? Huh? You pad no, her I up? I haven't messed with her this year yet. I'm just gonna let her hang out, and I'm a, I'm telling you, man, I'm hell bent on figuring her out. You know, right now I have the space, but eventually when these next grow ups come, I might have to make some moves. But as of right now, she'll be fine. Gotcha. Yeah, man. I feel like it's, it's the same with with uh, with breeding animals. That it is like with a lot of other things, pretty much anything else, man. Like you gotta find a way to like fall in love with the process. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Good. Okay, yeah, you got to find a way to like fall in love with the process. I'm not saying like every single day is going to be just like great and you're not going to get stressed, you're not going to get tired, you're not going to have days where you Mm -hmm. feel better than others, but you got to be comfortable with the process, man. Like it's just it's part up, otherwise, you're gonna gonna give up, you're gonna give up the ghost, yeah, man. We need like in like five years, we need like a Marvel's version of what if, like, hey, what if (laughs) such and such. What if such and such produce animals from all those crazy like quad heads that they kept and they hit the odds of all of that stuff and how would the market be right now, you know? So, um, but overall right now, as far as sales, um, I can't really speak on a big decline in sales because I haven't produced a whole lot. I'm going, for some reason, my season is going kind of late and I have a lot of stuff. Well, not a lot of stuff. I probably have less than 10 animals sitting on board for market, you know? And it's not, and they're not like the best, the most exciting things. It's like a clutch of like double head hypo G stripes, and, you know, stuff like that. So it's not like I got some like stranger clowns up there that's not moving. You yeah. Know? So, um, so but yeah, but this season though, I'm also making sure that I'm not worried about having stuff like the paycheck, the three to five hundred dollar snakes right now too. Like any product I do this season, I'm asking myself. If I need to, could I hold back the whole clutch? So what would I put together for my animals where I wouldn't mind keeping everything back if all of a sudden the economy went straight to crap, you know? So most of my stuff here, so everything now is either got stranger clown in it, hurricane clown in it, super asphalt, this or that, or some kind of double, triple, quad, or possible quit recessive project. Speaking of stranger, so what are you putting that uh, GHI stranger spot nose head clown mail to? Where he not going to? Poor guy. <laughs> well, that's um, he got some uh, lesser clowns. He's going to a G uh, Chai Mojave clown. Um, just a couple of really really nice pattern. Um, like just single gene clowns and stuff too. I'm really I'm trying to just hit that visual G H I stranger spot those clown because that's because I'm using him. I'm going to insert him into the Enhancer G Stripe clown project too. So uh, every season the Hansen G-Stripe girl goes, I'm putting another powerful clown to her, like another three or four or five G clowns. So um, she should be laying any day now. So she was bred to a pin clown, double-headed Hansen G-Stripe. So I have some visual, hosting some visual Hansen G-Stripe that's 100% that clown. Uh, it's willing, they're all females. 
<laughs> so I'm gladly. I mean, even if it's just even if I hit normal triple hats, there's there's still triple hats, you know. So even if it's just females there, the following year, so this coming up season when she's ready to go again, she's going to the redhead Batman. Gotcha. So now I got redhead, spot nose, leopard, triple hats. Gotcha. And then gotcha. so that gives so that gives me enough time. So that gives me enough time with this visual stranger GHI spot nose clown to make a visual for him for that following year. And then I can take that stranger. Hopefully I'm doing a stranger hurricane GHI spot nose clown to her that third year. And I can just have a but you know what I mean? And just keep going on and on like that till we figure out till we figure out which genes really mess up that G stripe pattern in the New Hampshire clown the way confusion does. You gotcha. know, so yeah, I wanna I really want to see like what messes up that pattern. Um, yeah, uh, confusion is a good one though. Confusion is definitely a good one, but I want to see what else does it as well. I really yeah, like so, the Kiki project. Yeah, so right now I want to see. So I'm doing super asphalt in it too. So I'm doing super asphalt and has your G Strike Cloud. I just want okay. to um, I want an asphalt cloud head enhancer, pass G Strike for Billy. So uh, she'll be here in a few months. Um, and then I'm making, I'm just making a bunch of mails right now too. So, yeah, I'm just chilling, man. Hi, Matt, what up, man? Appreciate you, boy. Love you. What's up, the homie Matt Summers? What's good, bro? What's good? Matt. So, peering into the future, let's do let's do a little of a prediction or whatnot. So, what are some promising trends that you see uh, in the industry right now? Oh, I do like that everybody's moving on to the obvious, like the multi recessive stuff too. But I think the downside is going to be that it's going to be there's going to be not enough room. We're still going to miss out on a lot of other like simple uh, recessive projects because of it. You know, yeah, there'll be some uh, there'll be some derivatives and some stuff that we do make. But there's still some stuff we haven't seen just with one recessive, you know, like yeah. why is it like like to me? Like asphalt is my favorite is my favorite incomplete dominant. I think everybody kind of knows that, too, you know. So we still don't have the super asphalt ultramel yet, do we? I haven't seen it. Super asphalt sunset. I haven't seen it. Super asphalt puzzle. <laughs> I haven't seen it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Notice yeah, the trend. Yeah, there's, 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 there's still a lot of stuff that's out there, man. So like, I want to see, I want to see what that asphalt looks like in everything, man. And it's such a dope gene. When you double it up on both sides, you don't have to worry about you know having a white snake or like you do with ivory, even with uh, yellow belly and stuff like that too, man. And it's and it's such an intricate and complex pattern. No matter what you put it to, by itself is dope. With clown is dope. Well, pie not as much, but it kind of makes some crazy shadows and some pixelation too. But everything else, man, it just beats the hell out of the pattern, dude. What if super asphalt monsoon? What if the super asphalt overpowers? And that's what overpowers monsoon. We'll know until we you make know, it. <laughs> yeah, you never know until you make it, man. And and that's why I enjoy this hobby so much, man. And just tinkering and experiment with stuff like this, man. Because you you never know, man. I just broke my damn flashlight. But yeah, so um, <laughs> the, yeah, so just 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 all the unknowns in our industry, man, and our hobby, man. To me, that's what makes it fun. The day I'm not like looking through my glass incubator and going, man, let me see how these. Eight. I'm not doing this when I walk in the snake room. The day I'm done, bro. Like even if it's like a small like builder block breeding. You know, I'm worried about the eggs. I'm worried about how they look. You know what I mean? I'm, I got the countdown app on my phone, checking it every day. Oh, how many days we got left? You know? So that's what I like about this, man. Like, that's what I love about this, man. I'm like constantly looking forward to something. Like, mentally, I'm already in 2024. Like, I'm already thinking uh -huh. about like 2024 and how that's going to shape up. Like, because like 2023, like, 
I know pretty much where my girls at, when they're gonna go, how how much they building and all that. But like mentally, I'm like in 2024, and like that's what I'm like thinking about like all through the day. Like, oh man, I hope this male get get is ready. I hope that male is ready. I hope this female is ready. Man, I got a shot at this, I got a shot at that. So like mentally, I'm like already in 2024 and beyond. Yeah, man. And then like, dude, with uh and then we got the advent of shed testing now, you know. Um the yes, desert sir. ghost limit. The Desert Ghost Elimination Test just dropped today. So um, I want to talk about that real quick, too. Um, yeah, let's do if, it. If you could. So as far as the shed testing goes, um, I like the – what I tried for the first time this week. I'm actually uh, sending off some male sperm cases instead of actually I was going to ask you about that, so yeah. Yeah, Perfect. so um, I'm doing that. So I sent off, um, let's see, the Asphalt Clown and um, I think the Asphalt Pos Doublehead Dream Sickle and – so, cause like I, I had two siblings to that, but one proved out, but one I haven't, I haven't bred him yet. So I'm debating if I'm gonna keep him or sell him. So I'm just gonna kind of send the shed off and check him for lavender and see what happens, you know. So um, a lot of people don't know that uh, they've actually successfully did a, uh, a DNA test with a cheek swab. With um, what's the guy in New York? Is that Gray's in New York? Um, the, the, the guy who did hypo first. Uh, was that? Gray Rider, maybe? Yeah, Gray Rider. Yeah, Gray Rider. Yeah, so Gray Rider, um, I think he did a successful cheek swab, which was dope. Oh, and, nice. then, uh, and then with RGI, they've done a successful sperm casing. And um, they've also taken, like, the underbelly of a ball python and taken a little a clipping, a solid clipping of um, the scales on, on the belly and used that, too, and have, like, extracted DNA from that. So... I mean, I don't recommend a lot of Yahoo's going out there with clippers and shit, cutting up the damn snakes and shit too. But if you got a male with sperm and, and you don't want to wait for a shed, you know, do that. So I didn't know the sperm casings was a thing. Like I didn't know that was yeah. a thing until I saw your post. Yeah, man. So it's, it's crazy, y'all. So I mean, just just when you pop them, don't don't pop your snake and then go like that because then that's kind of. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, so you live and learn, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of sort of answered this on the last question but like what's some trends or changes in the industry that concern you um what's your thoughts on that like i said just um uh, just just forgetting about the simpler stuff that we don't that we're not sure what everything looks like yet so that's also um it's it's cool to jump into the the future is the multi-recessive stuff and that's where the money is you know, but there's still some there's still some on the table for like those lower end recessive stuff too, and to actually bring other incomplete dominance back. You know, so um, I I enjoy the fact that G stripe is making a big comeback. I think G stripe is that sleeper gene that I know dude. I know people who got G stripes for two hundred dollars like two years ago on Craigslist, like whole adult females and stuff now. You know, so but G stripe is such a is such a crazy gene. But there's a lot of stuff you can't do with it though. But there's a lot of stuff you can do. So we're still trying to unlock that. And that G-Stripe test will be done soon, too. I don't know if you guys watch RGI's podcast on Mondays. Yeah. But I think their first two runs they did, they got 24 out of 25 in the first run, 25 out of 25 in the second run, and they're going to do 100 more. So G-Stripe will be, like, faster than most of the tests they did. So so if you got pothead G-Stripe stuff, keep those sheds and mark them. You know, so. And so for you, you you're just going to be primarily working uh, – Enhance the G-stripe clowns, or are you doing it? No, I got um. So that's just one. So I got um. Enhance the G-stripe clown. Enhance the G-stripe clown pod. Hypo enhance the G-stripe. Hypo enhance the G-stripe clown pod. Okay. Um, and then that's just for those. But then separate from that, 
I have Ultramel Clown stuff coming. Um, I should be able to hit uh, Powerball Ultramel Clowns this year, um, Ultramel Batmans this year. Um, I learned a good lesson this year that um, you really can't make um, Ultramel Clowns if you've been putting two females together for a year. Uh, that usually don't work. Yeah, so, that, that's not going to work. <laughs> if anybody, you know, so I don't know what they identify as, but they both have, uh, they both had vaginas and that didn't work. The good thing, the good thing about it is though, it was purchased as a male, but now I got another two-year-old breeder female spotting those double-headed ultra-run cloud, you know? Oh, so, nice. And, and it's actually up to size now. So, um, so I ended up getting a male from Marshall Mendez. Shout out to Marshall Mendez. He hooked me up with, um, a good male. So yup, so Red Mountain, so he'll be ready to go um as soon as those girls give me some more follicles. So you say you got a um, double so vision male? Uh no, just he's a spot nose double head ultra clown. So gotcha. I'm doing the long way. I had an ultra male head clown male. Uh no, it was an ultra male posse clown male, but he didn't uh prove right with the shed test. So I was hoping to have a backup for that, you know, to kind of kill some odds down. But uh he ended up not proving out through shed tests, which is cool because you know, I'd have to sit on him and wait for a whole clutch of eggs and realize I got nothing either. You know, so um and then the um the monsoon project, I'm doing uh Desert Ghost Monsoon and I'm doing Desert Ghost uh Azantic Monsoon. So I'm calling okay. that the Gorilla Mon that's the Gorilla Monsoon project. So nice for my for my wrestling fans out there, man, from the eighties <laughs> and stuff. So if you know if you know if you know who Gorilla Monsoon is, we can be friends, you know. So <laughs> yeah, so yeah, actually, yeah, and that's a that's a long shot breeding too. That's a, it is a long shot breeding, but uh, I got a Mojave doublehead DG Monsoon in there with a VPI Exantic, you know. So I know what Monsoon markers look like. Everything with heavy markers will be there. They'll be 100% head Exantic, and we have the DG test now as of today on Clutch. So shout out to Clutch. Uh, we got the Eliminator test. So um, for those of you who don't know what an Eliminator test is. So the way it works, from my understanding, from listening to the podcast and picking RGI's brain, so because right now it's only 85% effective, if you sit in the share and it comes back negative, it's definitely negative. It's not homozygous, it's not head, it's not, you know what I mean? So um, it's nothing. So if, if it comes out negative, there's a 0% chance that it's, uh, that it's head desert ghost. But if it comes back heterozygous, or say you got an ivory, and you're not sure if it's DG or head or not, and it comes back maybe homozygous, there's a ghost. That means that it's an 85% chance that the test is correct. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Right. Okay. So, so they're not releasing it publicly to everybody on Morph Market part of that yet. But if you have a clutch subscription, you can go in there and do it now. I'm actually going to, to me, 85% is, is good enough to at least to at least know if I'm gonna keep it back. You know what I mean? So I got some Posset Desert Ghost and Enhancer shit all over the place. And they're saying Enhancer and DG is essentially testing the same way. So um so from a genetic standpoint, Enhancer and Desert Ghost is the same gene. It's just like polymorphism and does different things. You know, so Enhancer to me is brighter than Desert Ghost, like pound for pound, but Desert Ghost creates better contrast with stuff, you know. So any animal that's have like a black back pattern too. Like a desert ghost tri-stripe or desert ghost clown is gonna be a better looking snake than a hatcher tri-stripe or an hatcher clown. And I know my Canadians might try to kill me for that, but that's just fa- that's facts. But <laughs> I just got a clown but, head enhancer from um GP. But well um oh oh for real? Oh nice, hell yeah. The female. So um yeah, so yeah, that's the uh I think my male is a dance of that one. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. That's what, yeah, heck yeah. So um 
So it was like, oh, enhancer, DG stuff. Yeah, so, but what I've been doing, though, is creating the best of both worlds, just putting enhancer and, and DG together. So, you know, I've been calling it enhanced desert ghost just because I think that's what somebody else named it. Somebody else gave it some, like, lame stuff. But I think eventually I'm just going to just call them DG clowns, and I'll be like, hey, it's half enhanced line. I'll just make sure when I sell it, but I put it in the parentheticals that it, it, half of it at least is an answer, you know? So yeah, you can go from there. Sense. That makes sense. So what yeah. do you think are some untapped opportunities in the industry? Um, let me see. Untapped. Um, I feel that a lot of, there's a, there's, there's two genes that a lot, there's, that I, I know that a lot of my friends love and a lot of them hate and they split down the middle uh, as far as recessive. And that's sunsets and puzzles. Like, I don't know a lot of people that's just meh about sunsets. Either people going, oh, I love it. There's so much potential. We got so much work to do. And then some people are like, bro, you can't pay me to bring a fucking sunset in my collection. <laughs> and guess what? Both are right. <laughs> right now. You know, because there's a, lot, there's, a, there's a lot of unknowns with the sunset too, man. You know, I've seen people with sunsets. I was like, did you roll this shit in cinnamon first or dirt before you show this shit on camera? This dusty ass animal. And then I see some single gene sunsets that I was like, yo, like, did you Photoshop this and shit too? You know? So, ooh, ooh, I'm gonna let everybody in on the secret. I've been telling a couple of people too, but um, you know what I think uh, is differentiating between people's good sunsets and bad sunsets? What's that? What they're eating. Yeah, you think so? Everybody I know that, that feeds ASFs have better looking sunsets than people who don't. See, I can get down with it. I can get down with it. I'm, I'm team ASF to the core, bro. Team bro, ASF. I can't, I, can't, I can't have ASFs in California, so um, I had to get a genetically but close relative. So we the desert the field, Nah, not even that. I had to get something. I had to get the Kenyan bush hamsters out here, too. You know, so they're real, real similar genetically, the same protein and fat content thing too, but they just a little bit more common than ASFs are. And man, dude, my hurricane clown looks like the way she did when she was three months old, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, dude, I would put up my adult female hurricane clown versus people's fucking just had his third shed hurricane clown. And like, I mean, she, cause that's all she likes. She don't like no way rats, man. You know, and there was a lot of people who came out maybe two, three seasons ago, who were like, you know, standing on the highest mountain saying that, you no, know, it's just a better feed to do with this and that too. But the reason, but I didn't listen to that person because I know that person has some good animals. And I also know he was just regurgitating somebody else stuff that he saw somewhere else because I knew for a fact that dude ain't even had a full breeding season yet, you know? <laughs> so, so, you know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta realize, you gotta realize who you listening to when you hear people say this stuff too. You know, a lot of times, a lot of these YouTubers, man, they got some real good content and they spend some good equipment and stuff too, man. But a lot of times, man, they talking out their ass, you know? So, yeah, but, and, and there, there's room for it. I mean, there's entertainment value to it, but you just got to make sure that you're checking your work and that you got more than one sources. You know what I mean? In a scientific community, you can't just make some proclamation that you did this one-to-one -one study with something and you go, Oh, I'm praising it for the mountains. This is what happens when you do this, you know? Like whenever I declare something, it's either people I know personally that I've seen in their collections or something I've been doing myself and experimenting on, you know, so. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, man, it's, I love ASFs, man. Like, I'm I need to tell them ultramarine breeders. Let's start, Kaiju messed with the Monarch, the trash marks. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> what he said, need to tell them ultramarine breeders to start. That's hilarious.
I'll tell you, the ASLs hit different, man. Like, um, I've been feeding pr- primarily ASLs like for probably for, for almost a year now, man. And just like yeah. my snakes to just eat the ASLs, man. And, like, their body comp be different. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. I, I, I like it better. Like, hands down, hands down. Like, I still feed Norwegians and I'm gonna continue to feed Norwegians, um, to an mm-hmm. extent, but I prefer ASLs. Hands down. Well, I mean, they they're a much cleaner animal, you know. So, um, like you can you can have a decent sized colony and only change their bedding like legit like once a month, you know. And like if you really if you really like like had like limited materials, you can go once a month and be fine. You won't be ridden with like ammonia and bugs everywhere. It's like they police their own and they find a space to poop and pee in. And when somebody messes up, they're like, nah, play, we don't do that here. You take that shit over there. <laughs> Literally take that shit to the, the corner. Over <laughs> For real. You know, so I mean, they're an intelligent animal, man. I mean, um, I just and I, I just enjoy it, man. And like, um, and and your ball pythons, if you guys live somewhere where you can have ASFs, man, I highly recommend you at least try them. And the whole thing about, oh, if you feed your stuff ASFs, they will never eat uh, Norway rats. It's all BS because there's more big breeders who breed who feed ASFs than you think do. A lot of people just don't talk about it. But I'm here <laughs> to tell you right now, I'm here to tell you right now, there are way more people who feed them things than you think. And I got a lot of snakes that'll go back and forth. Like they'll eat yeah. more with no problem. Yep. And then yeah, I got some so. who only do ASFs, and I got some who only do Norwegians. But most Dude, of them go back and forth. When I was in North Carolina, I had snakes that wouldn't eat ASFs. They were like, nah, I'm cool. I'm like, oh, you were? <laughs> 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 oh, man. That's crazy. So, so summing up for everybody, man, what's the keys to success um, of being a breeder um, in the industry? Um having a good network you know there's yes there's a lot of people out there who go out in the lawn and do fine but like i said man like one of my favorite one of my favorite songs from prodigy is real power is people because that's some real stuff you know so have a good network you know have some people and when i say have a good network i don't mean somebody where like you're constantly leaning on them for stuff and it's never reciprocated you know like to me a good friendship and a good partnership is always symbiotic not parasitic you know so we always, you know, you always bounce off each other, help each other out with projects too. And um, so just that and being creative, man. Like, uh, no, yeah, we know at the top of the mountain is Justin. We all know that, you know, Justin is for all intents and purposes, the consensus king of the hill when it comes to projects and the gold standard for our ball pythons. But even Justin can't do everything, you know? So it's, it's perfectly fine to go against the grain and try and experiment with stuff. I mean, you might not have the room that a lot of big breeders have, but it's okay to have small projects and kind of, you know, dare to be different. That's perfectly fine, you know? Like, you can literally, like, you can make a, a chart of every ball python gene and throw two random darts at that board, and it's probably a combination that haven't been put together yet because there's so many different possibilities. Oh, 100%. You know, so, so, yeah, that's it, man. Spicy noodle, what up? 100%. What's good? Solo. Uh, they made a good point in the comments, too. Like, feeding the ASFs high protein, like, that help them grow quicker. Yep. So, uh, in the, I mean, no, it's in the feed, it's like if you do Norway rats too, man, you know, it's quality in, quality out, you know? Exactly. So, like, if you if you feed your Norway rats cornflakes, I mean, you know, <laughs> if, you feed them, if you feed them cornflakes and styrofoam, <laughs> I mean, you're going to get some, <laughs> you gonna, all your animals all your animals going to look like ruffled pastels. No disrespect to ruffled pastels, but whatever. 
Yeah. <laughs> like I get my I get mine the Kalmbach twenty three percent. It's this kitty uh food that you get from Chewy. I give I, I forget the exact like brand, but it's high in protein. I give them like freeze dry like freeze dry mealworms and like like little bird seed mix and stuff like that with some peanut butter and like they be growing out man they be they be growing they be growing they be growing and they be mating and making babies yeah that's what i love yeah be making my snakes grow and look good <laughs> yeah yeah so even if you use like a simple rat block like missouri like the rat and mouse block i think that fine that's better than the 6f for a lot of things and it's a lot it's a, it's a, little, it's a softer um it's a softer little uh what you call it too pellet. like a softer piece yeah softer pellet and then um like my biggest thing, I get like the big parakeet mix, the bird mix too. It has peanuts in it, corn, like regular sunflower seeds, a bunch of other mixes with that, you know. And then just a bunch of other things. So some people like to do rolled oats and black oil sunflower seeds, and they do hard boiled eggs every once in a while, treating their stuff and giving them. Yeah, like I know we'll do that. Salads, salads is going bad too, you know. So I mean, it's a lot of ways to kind of keep them. them uh, you know, happy and healthy, but the downside is it takes 90 days almost to have one that's going to be able to feed an adult, right? Around three month time frame from the time it's born to the time it's ready to be harvested. That's the word we're going to use, <laughs> you know? So, but, but once they're gone, man, they, I mean, they go and we know when it gets hot, they do well in the heat, you know? Like, um, when I'm going to go visit Earl from Lone Star, his room was set to like 84, 85, you know? And, and then they were. They doing great, yeah. They and that's that's where they thrive the most at too. So even in this place here, if um I would raise them here, some good powerful fans, nice little air circulation system in the garage, they would be good to go. Nice, nice. Yeah, man, I got. Uh, yeah, so um, he said Hurricane Stranger Cloud. I'm waiting oh, for. Yeah. I'm trying to hit. I'm trying to hit those two, but with GHI spot those in it too. But I do want to see the Stranger Hurricane by itself too. So I'm hoping I can do that. So that that'd be nuts. Yeah, that's I'll be the be first. I'd be the first to show you, bro. But there's also there's already Hurricane Stranger DG Clown, so you guys didn't see that yet. <laughs> Who hit that? Was it uh Levance? Of course, man. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah. uh, if you if you ever, if you ever catch one of KG's lives or him on there, he's in the snake room. He'll he'll zip the camera by it real fast. So yeah, I know um, when I was at Tinley uh this past October, he had a double hit. Uh what what it what was it? Stranger double head ultra bell clown. And she she has some good oh, size yeah. on it too. She's probably about 70 mm-hmm. grams around the box. Yeah, I was like, man, man. So Dude, Levance had a stranger clown head ultra male at the table, and the thing looked orange, like like the, the tinting, like the head influence from the ultra male. He had on his table for like 18k. I was making calls like I'll make a call like, hey, sweet thing, you want to slide me your quick little 15k real fast? And I mean <laughs> was it male or female? female but it was, she was uh, like right now she would be on eggs how far back that was at, at her side you know what i mean so uh, yeah man so i was but i think that was the same time i got the asphalt clown and i needed that a little bit more during that point too so gotcha gotcha yeah that yeah. that'll be dope i haven't seen like a visual a double visual yet with stranger in it but that'll be dope yeah. I think stranger leopard ultra clown man, something like that man yeah, that's big bro that's that's what I'm saying, man. The possibilities are uh, endless, bro. It's yeah. just like every time you, every time you think of some other combo, boom, you know somebody else got it too, you know. So um, I was really disappointed, and I started the year clutch one with the ultra with the puzzle sunset, the sunset puzzle project, and hit nothing with that, you know. But 
should be ready to go like July, August time frame too to start breeding again. So uh, I'm excited about that, man. She's bigger than she was the first season when she bred, and she was young. You know what I mean? So I probably could sit on a little bit longer and wait it, but she had, I went to Ultra Sounder. She was what? 1580, 1590 with 17 millimeter follicles and still eating, you know what I mean? So I was like, yeah, we're going, we going to do it, man. So <laughs> we're going to make it work. Yep. Yeah, but man, there's still a lot to do, yeah. like with the singles and the doubles. So, yep. And we was talking about that last week, like how we kind of like skip into like the triples and the quadruples and stuff like that. But it's still so much to be done with the singles. It's still a ton to be done uh, with the doubles. And so, I, I don't I don't know. Uh Dale made a comment. He said it feels like and so I went around at this time, but he said it feels like when everybody was rushing trying to get like as many codoms in the project as possible. He said it feels similar mm-hmm. to that. So we'll see how it goes. Yep. Yeah, it does oh. too. And um especially, you know, and I think what started all of that though was the advent of the Pompeii, you know. Like to me, that to me that Pompeii, when that thing premiered, that was a catalyst for like, man, you know, like I can put all this stuff in the jeans and still see some distinctive qualities of four and five and six jeans and stuff, you know? So that gave everybody an open mind because um, I remember back in the day, there was a morph called, it was a, uh, it was a quint and it was just like a, a five codons and that's it. But it looked like a damn blank slate. <laughs> and the only reason why I think it was a male and the only reason why they knew it was a quint is because they proved it out to have five jeans in it, you know? But like, if you look at this animal, you were like, okay, it got five jeans in it, big whoop. What were the five jeans? It would do. It was like the simple stuff. It was like pastel, spider, pinstripe, lesser, inchy, maybe something, something like a lot of those like simple, those simple, uh, those simple jeans, something like that. Gotcha, gotcha. And, and you look at it, you're just like, okay, like. <laughs> so, but yeah, but. But but that's another key too. So like puzzle, can you can you get off getting five jeans in a puzzle? Can you get red stripe, spot nose, yellow belly, black pastels puzzle, and that thing look like something fire, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, and the T positive albino, you know, if you have um, you know, when you have like ultramel monarch stuff, is it worth putting all those jeans in the ultramel or monarch? We don't know. Yeah, it you know depends. I mean? It really depends. Right. Like, exactly. For me, exactly. I like the jeans that darken the snakes right. i like those in ultra male i like pattern changers and then like maybe like some like like yellow belly or something like that like some of the yellow belly complex mm-hmm. with it too like i feel like yeah and then nice yeah then like monsoon dude as far as we know there's nothing really that can disrupt the pattern there's only things that can like make it look tinted a little bit different and stuff too <laughs> you know you know like like um bomb projects they have that uh that dope ass what's a stranger calico monsoon if you told me that that thing was a Mandarin monsoon, I'd be like, okay, I don't believe it. <laughs> you know, it's so orange. If you you could tell me any BS in the world with some of that monsoon stuff, and I'm like, I gotta take your word for it. I don't know, you know. Yeah. So so having stuff to beat up the pattern to me, I don't think it's gonna be the ultimate way to go with that. I think it's just gonna be adding like other recessive genes and super like strong like color morph too, you know. So super Mandarin monsoon, <clears throat> dope. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> imagine, imagine that. You know, exactly. DG Monsoon, cough, cough. You know, ultra, ultra, ultra Monsoon, Monarch Monsoon. Like all of that. That's a that's a cool way for that for that project to go. 
Yeah. You know, until we look through all those other crazy incomplete dominance and we find that one out of a thousand different genes that yeah, you put a it and, it, and, it can, and it completely explodes the project. And then you can be like, oh. Yeah, no. then it get the project new legs too. Because not mm-hmm. only can you throw that coat arm in there, you can throw those recessors in there with that coat arm and like you can work it that way. I ain't gonna lie, bro. It's hot as hell with this jacket. Is. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it be when you're at war, man. You're in the trenches. I'll be honest with you, bro. This is a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it be when you're in the trenches. That's how it be when you're in the trenches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Hey, so I got a, a new topic for you, a new topic for this show, but I've seen you post stuff about it before, and so I, I kind of wanted to uh, pick your brain. So what are your thoughts on the role of AI, so artificial intelligence in society today? Um, I know you probably heard like a lot of the kind of buzz and hoopla and whatnot. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, I enjoy, I enjoy what you can do with it from a creative standpoint, like from personal and content creation. I don't like the AI part when they're trying to replace other people's jobs. I don't like how AI are replacing like writers in the entertainment industry. I don't like how, I don't like how you can take Drake's voice and Jay-Z's voice and use AI to make a song. You know what I mean? That takes the creativity out of stuff. Now, albeit a couple of things are dope. I've heard some really, really good AI songs. I heard a nice Jay-Z one. I was like, damn, AI? So now now you got to find a way to copyright the sound of your voice. You know, so now you got to like say a bunch of stuff and you got to have this specific voice pattern like mapped out and patented. So now whenever those two patterns match at least 80%, it's it's in the copyright. uh, You know what I mean? Like, it's like technology, yeah, it's changing and improving. But um, there's going to be always ways to come back and counteract it, too, you know. So, um, I mean, but AI, though, um, I'm trying to work on some stuff now for some content. Uh, I'm trying to do some predictive AI stuff as far as, like, um, concepts for different videos and stuff, too, you know, because you get, you get YouTube burnout, man. Like, I've been, I haven't been really consistent the past maybe 18 months with YouTube. But, you know, that first two years I was making a video, I was averaging twice a week, you know. I ain't got to be an like you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of videos. Man, it's so hard for me to make, like, like non-podcast content. Like, it's hard for me. Right. Like, then, I just ain't got, no, know, I ain't got in the groove of doing it yet. And then I, and then I tried the podcast thing, too. I tried I tried that field, um, which is something that I'm actually going to get back into when I move to Georgia. But I think I, um, what I'm going to do this time, though, I'm actually going to have an actual legit studio. And I'm actually put the oh, money nice. into it to have a sound studio, and I'm gonna have people in studio. So there'll oh, nice. be, uh, so there will be no more, um, there will be no more like remote podcasts. And I think personally for myself, um, after this year, I'm not doing any more of online podcasts either. So if you want to be on your podcast, you're gonna have to fly me out, and I'm not a cheap date either. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's up. So, uh, what are some of your predictions? Like, how do you see AI influence in the reptile uh, breeding industry in the future? Oh, just adding some variety to content creation, and um, and also, I think once we have um, once we perfect a lot of our husbandry, after husbandry pro and clutch, and the way people use them will morph market. I think um, we'll eventually have an AI that's smart enough to help us out and be innovative with our breeding projects, you know? So as far as like um, thinking outside the box for us and what commas we haven't done, you know, but you have to kind of punch into obviously, you know, which um, genes of homozygous uh, lethal, 
or stuff that creates severe wobbles or just stuff that just doesn't match because it makes the all white animal. So it's gonna be a whole, a lot of those parameters gonna to have to install in those programs that have the AI learn, but eventually there'll be a time, I think maybe 2026, 2027, you will have some kind of husbandry app and you hit a random combo generator from what you got and just say, why don't you try this and this? Then you can put those animals together and create some dope stuff, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Like with having all the data and being able to make like nice recommendations based on what you got and really yeah. like do the math and say and speak to like what really makes the most sense based on like all these different kind of like data points. Mm -hmm. Like it's hard for you to kind of like grasp and pull it together, but just like to have the AI to be able to do it just like that, that'd mm -hmm. be dope. Or the AI becomes self-aware and kills us. <laughs> hey. That's that's the other side, right? <laughs> Have you seen all the stuff like there's it's like people there's like been, um, there's been a there's been a bunch of movies about it, you know? <laughs> hey, like people like Sam Altman, um, I think Elon Musk and some of the other people like um in the AI industry, basically they had this was probably like a month ago or so or something like that, where they basically like circulated this document and they were like signing it saying, Hey, maybe we should do like a six month moratorium on the AI and just kind of like pause for the calls for a minute and like slow it down mm -hmm. and make sure we got the right safety parameters. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, that's smart too, because um, wasn't that the guy that worked for Google? He like quit because he wanted to talk about the downsides of AI, but he wasn't allowed to as for his contract or some other kind of stipulations too. So um, I, I think it's real smart because it's, it's a possible, dude, there's AI robots now that work in factories that kill themselves. Did you see that one? That kill themselves? Yes, because he was doing um, a menial, repetitive task over and over again that the AI, so whatever program he had in him, decided that destroying himself was way better than living his, than, 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 doing, than doing his factory stuff. And that speaks volumes about and that was And that was only one day. So it's people that's been working in factories for 25 years that are just barely staying together in this freaking artificial intelligent robot <laughs> underlines under himself in less than a work day because in in that algorithm it wasn't the most logical and healthy thing to do it was better off just to go wow no i heard that i'm about to check, I'm about yeah. to check that out that's yeah, wild look, look, that's look wild it up. he's sitting there he's moving stuff off the thing moving over there and all of a sudden he goes completely shuts down and shit. johnny five is fucked up <laughs> no i hadn't heard that i don't have to check that out for real for real so um, going back to like uh, some of your other interests and whatnot, so how do you think AI can be used to kind of enhance the aspects of like fight promotion and martial arts training and all that stuff? Um, right now, with a lot of the uh, documents we're using, so using like Dropbox and Google Drive and stuff too, like there's always updates in there about how they're improving and I see them in the near future um like detective patterns like that too you know so would it be cool for fight promotions or something too would be um you know using the same like weight class and record thing and looking at their their knockout and submission rate and their decision rate using that kind of algorithm to kind of put fights together too i, I see that happening um there's now you know they have like you know video games have fight simulators with ai so it'd be dope if we didn't have to go all the way through ea sports for like ufc4 and we had like a computer sim where we can take like the last couple of fights from this person, have all their stuff mapped and put them together and make them do like a simulated fight to see if it's even worth doing. Or is the one wrestler going to lay on this guy for 25 minutes and nothing will ever happen? You know, 
kind of crazy. And with that in turn, we'll probably speed the betting odds too with Vegas, a lot of other companies too, like uh, FanDuel and DraftKings and stuff like that too. So can you imagine somebody somebody coming into a fight, a heavy favorite, and then you put them in, the, in like a real legit like simulation, like the most advanced simulation we have, and the other guy beats the living crap out of them, and then <laughs> – all of a sudden, he's a big underdog. You know what I mean? But, yeah, that'd be wild. Yeah, but but the only thing about that is though, there's a lot of human factors in fighting that people don't take into account. You know, so you got like nervousness, the overall human condition about where you are that day, how well yeah. you rehydrated after your weigh-ins, like whose mom is calling you on the phone ten minutes before your fight, complaining they can't get into the front gate because they left their ticket all the way in Fresno and it's an hour and a half drive to where they're coming to. There's always some little small things, human factors. That's why I think we can never go fully AI with stuff like that. Even with like, I see with aircraft flight all the time. There's like, there's drones on our base too. There's drone pilots. They talk about a lot of that stuff too, man. It's like that human experience, man. There's no, there's no replacing that, you know? So, um, it's be nuts, man. So yeah, that would be AI, AI referees would be useful. I'd be scared to tell as a damn AI referee because I think a lot of times they'll stop fights too early or too damn. Late. <laughs> they do the calculation like, like, oh, like oh, yeah. According, according they're like according to according to Jalen Turner's last fight, it took him <laughs> twenty seven hits for him to weaken. So if he gets on the ground and get pounded out, I'll let the guy hit him thirty eight times, and then he'll be fine. <laughs> Fuck that, you know just. <laughs> Nah, no, sir. I need somebody with I need somebody with empathy to referee me fighting, you know. <laughs> Hell no. Appreciate that, Troy, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate the support. Shout out to the homie Troy. Let's say yeah, you go to dinner to people. And the waiter says, in the, in the food tower, <laughs> AFRI orders two. They get the bill, they will follow what you eat. Two pays for them. <laughs> So is it a backstory behind that? Dude, I don't know. I still don't even know how this whole food tower thing happened. I don't which show was it? It was either Anaheim or Pomona. Like somebody ordered food towers or said cool order food towers and apparently he ended up fronting the bill for him. I I don't know. Like we told them, like they put the whole bill together. And all of us supposed to like we all split the bill, and apparently somebody did, and somebody got the brunt into the stick apparently, and never spoke up for themselves until after the fact. So, <laughs> Troy, what a damn fool! <laughs> and I told Troy, if and I told Troy, if he bring up food tower again, it was gonna be some furniture moving. So next time I see him, he's in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, bro. So somebody there like wears a whole bunch of hats. Fight promoter, uh, martial arts enthusiast, snake breeder. Like, what's the next big move that you're planning in each of these areas? Uh, eventually, I would like to narrow down all these fight forces I work for and work for one. So maybe another four or five years down the line, I could be. I would like to be looked at as the next matchmaker for the UFC. Nice. You know. I'm pretty sure that with just that one, I can make just as much money as all the rest of them combined, if not more, you know, especially seeing how the uh, former UFC matchmaker, Joe Silva, uh, he had equity in the company. So he had um, 1% of the company when they sold to um, to WME, IMG. And uh, so they sold for I think, close to four and a half billion 
So he got a nice little paycheck off that and just completely yeah. retired. Where where Dana White got his portion and still worked, but Joe Silva took his money and went off into the sunset. You know, I mean, he worked his butt off, and it is a stressful job. You know, so I want to get into a bigger company where I have like equity into some company and uh, do it like that. So um, whether it's you know doing something reptile related or fight related or whatever, I'm tired of having like those paychecks are waiting for you know the sponsor money to kick in and things like that i much rather take equity upon ownership in a company doing that way it kind of helped the bill which i think honestly if i felt if i was part owner of a company i would even work even harder because i'm not working for just someone else i'm working for myself you know oh yeah 100 percent. so throughout like all your different like roles and experiences and whatnot like what would you say is like a like kind of a common thread or driving force that keeps you motivated The need to pay these bills. <laughs> Gotta pay these, these bills. bills. I, I, I live in California, boy. These bills do not pay themselves. Let me tell you. Ain't no joke. First huh? of all, I, I, I'm not. I'm not good looking enough for OnlyFans, bro. I can't do no. I can't do no feet pics. <laughs> I can't. Do. Nah, man. You know, I still I got a little old man ribs in me, but not that much to convince people to uh, give me money based off of that. So I still gotta like be inventive funny charming successful <laughs> you know what i mean all that difficult stuff so yeah man that's i mean that's just a, that's first and foremost man like it's it's survival but could i be involved in other industries that i really don't care for and making a lot more money and probably being financially more successful of course 100 percent, man but i love my reptiles i love mixed martial arts and i love uh military aviation so Gotcha. You know, can't be can't, can't can't be mad at that, man. You know when I when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is come into come into the snake room, and pull over tubs, look at some babies, see how everybody's doing, doing a wellness check too. I'm like in my room, get my stuff. This is my zen, you know. I fight sit in the middle of the room, take a couple deep breaths, you know, and then boom, we ready to go. So I love doing it, man. When I when I get around these fighters, man, they represent stuff that I can't do anymore. One, because of my age. Two, because I had like a lot of traumatic brain injury when I was younger. And I couldn't qualify to be a professional fighter too. So just me being a coach and instructor, a teacher, and now being a promoter matchmaker, it's like the Red Skull from uh, what's his name from the Avengers and shit. I got others to a treasure I can't possess. <laughs> you yeah, know what I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. So it's kind of like that, you know. So and um, I just love being around it, and uh, I just, I just appreciate like, I love to see a guy that I saw his very first fight as a, as an amateur, and I seen him in the UFC. Nice. That's crazy. To me. You know, that's like to me, that's the equivalent of like um, you making you making your own double heads and then keeping back a female and then now hitting a double reset excessive on eggs and shit with her that you raised up. So imagine having a guy that his first fight, he can barely make a fist. And then five years later, you see him making his UFC debut on the big show. Yeah, that's got to be a good feeling. You know I, mean? I can yeah, only that, imagine. That's a, that's a proud feeling, man. Dude, we had a couple guys, my boy Nolo Hernandez, man. We, I wrapped his hand as an amateur and as a lower level pro. And when I heard he was making his UFC debut, I cried, bro. Nice. I was like, holy fuck. Because I knew That's he was a good kid. Be a good like, thing, like, bro. Because, because, dude, a lot of times, man, in these industries, reptile industry, fight industry, whatever, it's not always on merit, man. You know, sometimes some people do just well just off of who they're around. And we know people like that in every industry, you know? What oh, I mean? yeah. Because it's, it's always yes, a it, it, but, but I, it's not a knock, though. 
it's not. You have to be able to do, like you have to be able to like meet the right people, like, and there's some luck involved too. So you gotta be in the right place at the right time, too. But you know, but aside from those aspects, just seeing the hard work people put into things and watching the fruits of their labors, man, come to fruition is just is just so amazing, man. And that's that's the best part about my job, man. When there's producing these animals, you know, trying to make it world's first and stuff too. I got world's first in here. Well, I got, I think world's first because I haven't seen anybody else make these combos, but <laughs> they'll, she ain't, go, she eats like shit, but she ain't going nowhere. You know, I barely, I barely take pictures of her, but she eats, she's the worst eater fucking, but I can't like, I can't let her not eat a fucking stick in the freezer. <laughs> I'll be an asshole for that. So I've been, you know, I gotta, dude, I'm, I'm gonna tell y'all right now, she would be a year old in August, and she's like eighty grams. Oh wow! Well, not she, dude. The first six, seven months, she would not eat. She would like just uh, when you force feed her, she'll she'll regurgitate. So now you gotta wait a couple weeks again and stuff too. And for some reason, she was still hanging on, man. And uh, I did the repeat breeding. I started it maybe a month and a half ago, and. <laughs> And I was like, hey, I'm about to do the same pairing, and I hope I don't hit another one because your ass is gone if I do. And I swear to God, that same night she took a rap by. <laughs> <laughs> so if all you guys didn't get to animals to eat, if you've exhausted every other means, if you use put them in the car, if you use Da Vinci, if you try to force feed them, fight to sell them. They don't fucking eat. <laughs> hey, get this oh, shit man. together, dear. What's the more? Yeah. Oh, it's a uh, hypo leopard pastami blackhead head pie. Okay, okay. So it's, it's, it's a it's a it's a or purple. So so, so so think of a blackhead leopard Mojave, but it's purple. I posted it before okay. on my Instagram when it was real young, but um, and then what's crazy is like her third meal, her third meal. I went to um feed her and I put a mouse in there and left the came back and the mouse attacked her. So I actually oh, man. put like a big lump on her. So now she's double and triple shedding that scar. But it's healing up fine though, but she's still eating. So she took a actual um she took a small mouse because before she was doing hoppers and stuff too. So mm. she's getting up in size and took a small mouse the other day. Um and yeah just she eats every week now man and she's got a lot of catching up to do but like I'm gonna keep her so I don't really <laughs> I, I don't see her I don't, I don't see her ever going anywhere. And once she fully heals up and stuff too, I'll take some more pictures of her. I'll post her and stuff like that too. And I'll, te- I'll post one of her uh, <laughs> clutch mates from a, from a different, from the first breeding that's twice her size and shit by the time she's ready. But, you know, it's all good yeah. though. So with so much stuff going on, man, um, how do you balance everything? Uh, balance? Who said I was balancing shit? I'm a wreck. <laughs> I'm a wreck. I have terrible time management. I mean, I don't fucking, I don't put stuff in Google or Siri. I don't, my, my son, aka my personal assistant, he ain't here. He's trash. He's playing basketball somewhere. It's, just, it's, it's, it's chaotic, man, but it's, I call it, it's organized confusion, though, you know? Yeah. So it, it, it works for me. Can it be better? Yes. But the way things work, like, dude, I don't, dude. I have all those husbandry apps. I have husbandry pro, um, like the trial one, and I think I have clutch. I don't use them shit, dude. I know my whole collection by heart. Like I can, I can like blindly throw a dart and be like, oh, that's blah blah blah. Like I, like I see my animals all the time. You know what I mean? Like unless I'm going off a fight, I see my animals every single day. 
Like, I know who poops. I know how they're supposed to look. I know how they're, if they're acting funny. I know stuff starting to look sick. You know, like, I'm one of them. My, my collection is small enough where I don't think it wants me to use that right now. That's And that's just, that's why, you know. Gotcha. Like, like I use I can, another I, user pro right now, but um, uh, I don't use it for, like, all the stuff that it can do. Like, I'm primarily, like, tracking pairings and stuff like that. That's, yeah. that's the main thing that I'm tracking. And obviously, like, keeping, like, an inventory of my animals mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But I, I used to track a lot more Husbandry Pro, but, like, as I started growing and just kind of got uh, shorter for time, um, I just stopped tracking a lot of the stuff that I was tracking because it was just, to me, it, what, it wasn't worth tracking like I was tracking mm-hmm. because it's like taking up so much time, but I just, I'm like you, man. Like I, I know it. Like I know who's eating. I know who's not eating. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know the mannerisms. I know when they use the bathroom, I know when they shed regularly. I do track the parents, um, but I don't track as much as I used to track in husbandry pro. I wish I did a better job, but at the same mm-hmm. time, I don't have like the time really to, to track and, it. And to me, all of my locks have pictures and a short four second video with me voicing over it too. Like I do a little video and I'm like, Stranger G trying to find those head clown to lesser clown. Boom. And you get it in the video and not go back and fix the stuff later that I need to. And I'm doing my clutch cards. So I know when each pairing was, or if I switched a different mail out too, I'm not confused. You know what I mean? So, and then if all else fails, if I get confused about something, I'll just go to my surveillance camera and be like, okay, what do I do here? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, I screwed up. I definitely, I've, I definitely put males in the wrong tub before because you know I was BSing, but it was just me on the phone talking, trying to do three, four things at the same time because I'm like super ADHD scatterbrained too, you know. So, did you have a lock when that happened, or did you catch it in time? No, I, I caught it in time, and then like she ended up producing, and there was no way the other guy could have been the dad to any of those. So, gotcha. Yeah. So, okay. All right, bro. So. Before I let you get out of here and enjoy the rest of your night, I do have some wrap-up questions for you. So the yeah, first I one is, if you could live any place in the world, where would it be and why? Um, I, Right now, if if I say outside the country, it would probably be Belize. I like that country because um, they're really like U.S. friendly over there. And I think Belize borders Guatemala as well. And I just love like the tropical environment, the humidity that Central America has and stuff too. You know, um, it messes my hair up a little bit, but you know, what I mean, I don't really care about that too much. But <laughs> yeah, like, I, I'm a fan of I'm a fan of Belize. I know a lot of people from Belize. I'm a fan of like their culture and their way of life and just how they do things there. So yeah, Belize, Belize it or not. Uh, <laughs> I did there. I, 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 think, I think you did there, bro. <laughs> All right, bro. So, like, with all the changes going on with Morph Market today, if you can, if you can add one thing to Morph Market and take one thing away from Morph Market, what would you add and what would you take away? Oh, I would re-add John Lehman and I would take away Darian and get rid of his ass. <laughs> no, I'm just messing around. <laughs> Yo, it's funny because people are gonna clip that and be like, "Oh, you hear what I said?" Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um. Morph Market. <laughs> um, well, Morph Market, I think the format, um, it just doesn't, to me, the format and just the design, it just doesn't seem customer friendly. Like, if if I wasn't a person that's trying to sell animals and I was just as a customer coming in shopping around, I feel like um, just the way the website is designed, I feel like there's an easier way to shop for animals, if that makes sense. I don't, do I have, do I have the solution? No. But 
I just feel like from a, when I'm shopping as a consumer standpoint, I'm not trying to sell anything and I'm shopping. I feel like the interface, it, it could be a lot better. Gotcha. Okay. So okay. that's the ad. So it's just like add and take away. Take away the interface now, add a more just a, a better one. I don't know if it needs brighter colors or it's monochrome. I don't I don't know what the solution is. I just just think just think about that. Everybody that's watching right now, just don't work. If you have animals, fuck your page. Go through Morph Market like you're buying stuff and then and just message me and be like, okay, that's why I see you talking about. Or say, hey, you feel the shit, I love it. And I'll be fine either way. It would end skin off my back and nothing like that, too. I mean. That's one man's opinion, but I just want to see who all agrees with me when I do that. I just think it'd be formatted a little bit better. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. All right. So if you won $10 million tomorrow, how would you use it? Strippers and Coke. <laughs> so in my mind, I knew you was going to say something like that. I was like, he probably going to say something about strippers and Coke. <laughs> Bam. Because <laughs> we friends, motherfucker. What you mean? Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Okay, the real answer. The real answer, and just um, just move to probably move to Belize or somewhere where I can have my ball python still. You know what I mean? Just have a just be nice and comfortable with you know very little overhead. I don't like. I'm not just extravagant house. I don't need a mansion. I don't need a place that has more bathrooms than bedrooms. That's silly as hell to me. You know what I mean? So just a you know just and it could be a ranch home too because I hate stairs. So it'd be a nice decent sized ranch home with some acreage where I can have my gun range in the back of my house. I can have my building with my reptiles, my MMA gym, all on the same property. You know, and make it just like a one stop shop. You know, place to kind of do everything I love where I have very little, where's very little chance to go out in town to do stuff. You know, and I'd be happy, man. Like I'm, I'd be nice and simple. Yeah, when I have some toys. Oh, I have some dope cars and things like that. Yeah, not really. I'm not a car person. You know, I would probably just have like a couple of dope trucks and like some like toys, like some quads and things like that too. But um, just outside of that, just making sure my family's good, you know, make sure like all of my kids are adults now, make sure that they have what they need to help them start their businesses and push their entrepreneurial spirit along or you know, whatever endeavor they have and just have a bunch of people around me, man, to hook up my friends. You know, there's a lot of people over the years that literally had my back they didn't have to. So that'd be my way of paying them back, you know. So nice. that's what I do with the $10 million. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Asterisk and Coke. Coke. And with the leftovers. With the 85 bucks I got left, strippers and Coke. <laughs> All right, so if you could have dinner with any three people, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Um, let's see. My grand, my grandfather on my mother's side, because um, he he died before I was born, but he was also like, if he was alive, he'd be one hundred four this year. So somebody that was born in the year nineteen nineteen is just trying to figure out um what the experience was with that too, and him being you know a multi war veteran is kind of seeing what he had to endure his age as a black man that time, you know what I mean? So, especially from a man standpoint, like my grandmother, I've talked to my grandmother before and I got her experience of how her upbringing is, but I mean, I don't know much about him. So um, that's always something I would be curious about. Um, and I never, so one of my the greatest fighters of all time to me, obviously, uh, and as far as the overall fighter show, was Muhammad Ali, I never got a chance to meet him. What's cool? I'm good friends with his with his son-in-law, which is funny. Which is funny. I'm cool with Kevin Casey and stuff too. You know, we chopping up at fights all the time. 
but I would have loved to meet Muhammad Ali too. Nice. Um, and um, as far as going like way back further than that, it's like significant like people in, in history too. Um, there's just so many, there's just so much like conjecture and questions about like conquering civilizations and things like that too. So something just like maybe uh, probably Genghis Khan Okay. And seeing what his, you know, and seeing what his motivation was too, you know, because they say it's still a big population of the world. That's like a direct descendant to him. And from everybody else's standpoint in the books, it's rape, pillage, and plunder. That's it, you know. I wonder, was there more layers to him than just that, you know? And I'd be cool with being in front of him talking because I could probably kick his ass in real life. So I'm not really stressing <laughs> that too much. So, so I think yeah. I think that'd be a real interesting one. And there's another, you know, because there's there's multi sides to the story and. You know, the only the only history you hear is from the people that's still alive. You know, <laughs> it's hard <laughs> to speak from the grave what really happened. So that'd be cool too. So my grandfather Muhammad Ali and Genghis Khan—that's a wild trio. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's one thing you asked uh, Muhammad Ali? Um, just that as far as um his strength and conditioning regimen, because I think with somebody his build, um. We still don't see people with his athleticism and agility with that build right now. He was what six three, six four with an eighty inch wingspan, and you know you got like Tyson Fury and tall fighters like that that can move, but nobody was can move as fluid as he was. I think so. I think I just kind of kind of curious about that about where like how he developed his agility and or was it God given or was something that he practiced? That's one of the kind of the main things. And two. Like I'll actually have a freestyle battle with him because if you don't know Muhammad Ali was the first uh was the first freestyle rapper. You knew that, right? <laughs> yeah. He was he, 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 he was the new, bar, Muhammad Ali was the first was, was the first person to put bars in front of everybody, just like you know, whether it was rehearsed off the top too, you know what I mean? He always had some cool sayings and stuff too. So I just wonder how he got slick like that. Was it something he heard growing up or was that all just original ideas from him? You know, it was crazy, you know. Yeah, that'd be like dope. That'd be a real dope conversation for sure. Yeah, yeah, like just the hyperbole and stuff he said and stuff. You know, he's so fast, he can hit the light switch and be in the bed before it gets dark. And you know <laughs> what I mean? You're like, if you ever, you know, if you ever dream about meeting me, you better wake up and apologize. I'm so bad, I make medicine sick. I'm so bad, I make medicine sick. You know what I mean? Look, that's that's fire, you know. Well, so the, so so the kid in me would like to be, you know what I mean learn to entertain the aspect of that because that's important for me to have right now as a content creator and an entertainer as well to see where that comes from and to have that gift of gab, you know? So that's something I really admire, you know? Nice. Yeah, he was definitely one of the greatest of that, for sure, hands down, hands down. Well, bro, it's been an outstanding episode, man. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, definitely been looking forward to this one all week. Been looking forward to like getting you on the show just in general, man. So I'm, I'm glad we were able to make it happen. Is there anything you want to tell uh, folks before uh, before we get out of here? Uh, just, you know, I appreciate everybody dropping in. The love and support, like, it's, it's always dope. I mean, even the, even the non-support from people who don't like me is always dope, too, you know, because, like, even the people who absolutely uh, repulse my everything I stand for, you still watch. So what does that say about you, you crazies? You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, also, um, U.S. Arc, man, like what we talked about earlier, man, uh, U.S. Arc Florida, U.S. Arc. Even if you can't, even all you become is like a little monthly $5 a month member or bronze member, do that, man. There's strength in numbers with everything we do. And like, the, even if 
these issues right now don't affect your state or where you live at, they will. You know how state stuff works, man. A lot of states, when you get legislation passed to some, it trickles over to others. You know what I mean? Florida is like that. New York is like that. California is like that. A lot of these main states where all the issues are at, a lot of that stuff can ooze over into where you live at, man. So um, whether it's breed-specific legislation for, like, mammals, too, and reptiles and birds, too, all that. Just, just make sure we keep that money in there, man. These lawyers are expensive, bro. 900 bucks an hour, man, it's a lot, you know? Yeah. <laughs> 100%, man. And it's, like, it's important to, like, just continuously, continuously support, man, because, like, the fight don't end. The war don't end. You know what I mean? I mean, we right back with the Lacey Act Amendment. We're right back into yeah. that. And so it's just like it's like yeah, one no, thing after another, one thing after another. Yeah, can I can I curse on this platform? Oh yeah, yeah. What's up, TJ? Yeah, for sure. The the, the lazy act, man. Fuck that bitch. I mean, that's a girl. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, but nah. Just like I said, man. Just uh, thanks everybody, man. I appreciate you uh, stopping in. Um, I love what I do. I love having a good time. You know, I hope I hope um with today's get up, I gave everybody a nice little chuckle on this too. You know, so <laughs> but you do know we're not in a um in, a, in like a, a, a actual war, right? You know we ain't we ain't we ain't busting guns, huh? <laughs> what? You know, I bought man, I done bought machetes and man grappling hooks and shit with me. We ain't going to no damn real war. Oh, this some this some this some bullshit, man. Why the fuck? Tell me that, man. <laughs> oh man. Man, man, it's been great, bro. I really appreciate you. Uh, hey, this a long time coming, man, especially with somebody I actually like, love, and respect like you, man. So, um, I just feel like I should have been on here a long time ago, and I apologize for that. But sometimes it's sometimes it works out for the better, you know. Hey, so, it worked out for the better, man. I appreciate you coming on, yo, man. Like I say, it's, it's all love, bro. All love, man. I appreciate y'all. Yes, sir. Good at you later, man. Yes, sir. I appreciate everybody coming out tonight, showing us support, man. Thank y'all for coming out. Be blessed. Peace. Peace.